Okay, Clinton, though, and Clinton and, and the whole Clinton clan there, their whole thing, though, guys, I'm telling you, is at their core, Clinton's just a pot-smoking hippie. You know what I mean? That's just that's just what it comes down to. Hey, Clinton, yeah, Bush probably smoked down, too, though. Well, okay, well, yeah, but... Did, might not have inhaled. Well, I mean, you know, and, and, and again, you know, that's a whole different thing, but you know that Clinton and the entire Clinton group, everyone that he was with, we're just smoking tons and tons of reefer the entire time. Whereas Bush, you know, had a lot of this immediate support, but now is, you know, completely hated on. And, you know, it almost seems like no one ever liked Bush. But Bush was, you know, I mean, Bush was like the headliner, you yeah, know? Yeah. That, 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 like when, when you think about it. So, you know, you could go Bush Clinton got versus. Things done. Well, you can you go know, Clinton Bush. versus Bush all day. Uh, Oh, shit. You know what? Also, folks, just so you guys know, we're not talking about uh, ex-presidents or, or anything along uh, those lines. We're talking about, of course, George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars versus Bush, the uh, post-grunge band from London. Yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it easy out there. So, you know, everyone's uh, pulling over. They're like, wait, what the fuck is he saying about Clinton? Nope, nope. We uh we gotcha. So today we have come to the final installment of our day one coverage of Woodstock '99. We're going to be talking about the headliners on each of the major stages here, as well as what the emerging artist stage becomes at the end of the night, which is a whole nother monster. Uh, so just to <clears throat> kind of put it in perspective for you, Corn just finished playing on the East stage. The East stage, of course, is the main stage. Uh, if you've been listening, you, you know that there's the West stage, which is, you know, still major acts, but it's the secondary stage to the East stage. And Corn just played the most insane, intense set of the entire day. Um, the money stage. Yeah, on the money stage. It's, you know, it was easily the most violent, energetic, and intense set, but... That they weren't the headliner. There, there was still someone else after Corn, and I feel like that's because Cher and Lang, you know, the uh, the king and queen of Woodstock '99, if you will, they were smart enough to know that you can't send everyone home with a belly full of corn. You know, what I mean? it, it'll make you sick. You, you gotta, you gotta bring. You gotta go throw up in the bush somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So, and you know, they brought everyone to a boil during corn. So they knew they were smart enough to know that they got to bring it back down to a simmer. A simmer. So a simmer full of bush. Yeah. Exactly. The the uh, burning bush, uh, if you will. There's actually no fires during the bush set. But uh, so yeah, if, you know, if you haven't. Gotten it by I mean, now. maybe some hearts on fire, but we'll get to that. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, so Bush is going to come out after Corn on the E stage and headline day one officially. They are the last act on the main stage, the headliners, the big deal band. This is what you, what the promoters envisioned everyone would be waiting for the entire day. I really think after Corn, everyone was kind of, uh, was kind of, you know, spent. That, that would, I yeah. mean, even if you weren't into Corn, just being in that crowd yeah. would tire you out because you're literally on on offense like all the time. You know what I mean? Like you just yeah. got to defend yourself the yeah. entire time because uh, people, you know, again, during corn were getting hurt like every minute someone was getting taken to yeah. to the medic tent. And this was also when like the um, first like uh, reports of like assault. Yeah, like, exactly. When like in. the really scary stuff starts. But the festival, it didn't end there. I mean, first of all, keep in mind, there's still two more days left to go, which is absolutely crazy, you know, considering all the bands that we've talked about so far, all the different crazy things that we've seen during the sets up to this point. And there's still two more days worth of this stuff coming. I mean, it's it's really, really crazy. A lot more to cover. Yeah. And so the headlining acts on the West stage and the main stage, the East stage, they were given longer sets than the other bands. Most bands played for about 45 minutes or so, half an hour. The headlining acts were given about an hour and a half each. Uh, definitely an hour. Most of them played an hour and a half. So on the West stage now, the headlining act, we have, again, George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. When this is his Woo-hoo. second set of the festival as well. And I, him and I think G-Love are the only two acts. Or I guess Spitfire. 
played every day. Yeah. But, but Spitfire doesn't count. Doesn't I don't really count. That doesn't count, yeah. They probably did something yeah. different every day, and it was all, none of it was planned. Who knows? Yeah. It was probably like a 10-minute thing, too. But right. This, but like this, it, this is the last, was, I think, when, I want to say the last time we get a double set. Right. From somebody. Yeah. Yes. No, definitely. And uh, so, yeah, it's George Clinton. Again, you know, he played the pre-show, headlined the pre-show, played a lot of deep cuts. It was a really kind of, you know, funky, mystical set, you know, really stony stuff. Um, but, you know, this is him actually playing his his real slot, which was a headlining slot on the second stage there. And it's the full lineup, uh, you know, band member wise from the night before. He brings out a few other guests that weren't there. Um, but one thing that and, you know, folks, during this entire series, we're going to be going back and correcting ourselves and adding things in that we might have forgot to touch on. And one of the big things that I forgot to touch on when we talked about George Clinton last time during the pre-show was that i've i've sold george clinton weed like a bunch of times <laughs> like i can't even believe i forgot to mention that but i worked in a dispensary for years and we had you know certain celebrities that would come through there and uh you know i don't i don't feel like it's a it's a bad thing to talk about this because it's just weed you know what i mean it's totally legal now so like whatever but george clinton would come in not in funky you know psychedelic wear he was dressed more like like a crime boss in like the, the 1950s, like just these dapper long coats, yeah. these hats. His voice was like, I'm, I'm, I want a vape pen. Like it was so <laughs> crazy. And every time he would come in, it was like, holy shit, that's George Clinton. And he had like, he would come in by himself, but he always like had a driver and then like a security wow. guy with him that would wait in the lobby. And he would come in and like, it, it, yeah, it was just, you know, I mean, because then we'd wild. go back in the, into the back room and, like, take a bong load and be like, dude, let's watch a George Clinton video and be like, holy fuck, that guy was just in here. That's so goddamn crazy. But the funniest thing was is he really didn't like me. He, like, he would always <laughs> ask for one of the girls or this guy Chucky that used to work there, this, like, you know, or, or TB, these two, you know, big, uh, very friendly black gentlemen. He preferred to work with them than literally anyone else that worked <laughs> in, in the shop because, uh, you know. Whether it be the girls, probably because they were girls, or me, because I was just like the stony white dude with really long hair. He's just like, yeah, no, give me TB. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, give, I, remember, give me Chucky. I remember what you looked like back then. <laughs> yeah. I'd be scared of you, too. I looked insane. <laughs> but, you know, the, the really stony guys knew that I was the one to get it from because I looked like I was totally fried. But, uh, you know what I mean? That's who you want to buy your, your Ain't shit from. changed. George Lynn <laughs> didn't want to buy Reaver from me. And I'll have you know, folks, he bought vape pens. He is a vapor. Of the marijuana. Yeah, well, now. If he's speaking like that. How, wait, how long be, ago was this? This was years ago. I mean, this was probably like 2000, like 2011 to 2014 is when I worked there. So, like, yeah, you're talking like nice. 2012. Like, my own personal apocalypse was being turned down from George Clinton. So I couldn't sell him weed <laughs> in 2012. He's like, no, I don't want to buy weed from you. Give me Chucky. Like, oh, so. Man. Yeah, that, that's my uh, personal, you know, contact with an artist that headlined Woodstock 99. I guess the only connection that I really have is that I saw Bootsy Collins before, and that was incredible. That's the, yeah, that I cool. mean, seeing them play is, is cool. Uh, being denied the right to sell them weed is a whole nother, whole nother thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, getting back to the set now, the Diaper Man is back. Uh, diaper Man yes. is on stage in a diaper. I hope he, uh, I hope he has been changed. By this time, <laughs> like fresh dipes, yeah, fresh fresh dipes uh, for for the dipe master. And I wonder if you know, like, part of his writer is like, and I need someone dressed as like a giant mom. To change <laughs> <me>. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> change, I need five the... bottles of milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He's got a big bowl of applesauce. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Oh my, we could go on about what the diaper man eats uh, and and drinks and how he lives, but. He he's back in a in a in a diaper, and George Clinton is you know he's changed his outfit, and he's somehow in an even stonier outfit than the night before. Before I mentioned yes. that he was like an acid kind of war like warlock kind of <laughs> you know like Dumbledore kind of outfit, like these yeah these robes and and things. He's in the same kind of thing, but it's a giant. It's it's one piece that if you were to hold your arms out, it would make like a flag, and it has just like a giant hippie painting on both sides that he'll it's far out. Yeah, it's very far out, and it's just like well, you're in a rag. Well, wait, dude. wait, we got to look at this thing because it's it's a. I was looking at it last night. It's a it's the United Nations emblem of like the top view of the world, and then that 
flag is then being looked on in a gallery by a bunch of like little aliens, like little 90s alien dudes. <laughs> and the only thing I can glean from this is perhaps like some intense sort of like conspiracy theory, because you're like you've got these aliens like looking on. It's like I feel like there's George Clinton's on some like freaky Illuminati shit with this stuff. <laughs> and people don't totally miss it. Some like some like NASA is lying, some flat earth stuff because you because the United Nations emblem, the United Nations emblem is used in a flat earth conspiracy to point to the fact that they're using this glow. They're using this version of the map, which is saying that this is the flat earth and that the United Nations actually knows that the earth is flat and that's why they use it as their flag. Wow. Um, so I'm thinking that I'm thinking that something plus worth the aliens just like viewing and smiling is all leading to some heavy conspiracy theory stuff. This might be our most controversial episode to date. Uh, you know, in, in corn. Uh, well, I mean, we're talking about some heavy issues here that you know bring up a lot of feeling. We're talking Bush versus Clinton. You know what I mean? We're, we're talking flat Earth. We're talking, we're talking me being denied the right to sell George Clinton weed here, man. These are heavy issues. Uh -huh. Hey, he might have bugged out on you, and he might have thought you were listening. Yeah, he might have. <laughs> this guy already knows. Yeah, you were a narc, dude. Or he's, he just had the foresight to know I would be doing a Woodstock '99 podcast years in the future, and I uh, was going to say some ridiculous things about uh about them. But here's something that is ridiculous about their set. So the night before they played, but this set is much longer, uh, you know, time wise <laughs> than the set. But the difference is, is you know. Between the two is only about 10 minutes, but they play eight more songs during the second set. They played about eight songs during the, the pre-show, and it's that set length is the same amount of time yeah. as the next day, and they played like, right. you know, twice as many songs. So it just get, goes to do show they, you that the pre-show was Do they have the longest stony. set? Um, no, I think Metallica, Metallica might have the longest okay. set. But I mean, but they're all very close. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, you know, that set the night before was eight songs, and it took up an hour and a half. They played like sixteen yeah. songs this pretty, set, pretty long, and right. it was the same well, amount of time. They're a jam band. Yeah. They're an ultimate jam band, and they actually are getting the Woodstock '69 vibes. I would say when you watch the crowd on this set, it actually looks like people are having a good time and maybe not trying to beat the shit out of each other. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like the there George could have been Clinton a turnover set. in the crowd too. George you know, Clinton's, a lot of people were yeah. there for corn and they had, they had to have been, you know? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Cause like when I watch, cause like, you know, the, the George Clinton set starts kind of during corn, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you would have right, had to, right. right. And, right, and we yeah. know how far apart these stages were. So I really think that there's just like a difference in yeah. the crowds. Like there's some people that right. are like, no, I'm going to, but, the thing about, you know, that theory, which kind of I, I kind of shot myself in the foot there, is the band that played right before George Clinton was ICP. Yeah. So it's like there's no escaping like the aggro shit. If you're just trying to chill out, like, no, like you're going to have to sit through something to see the next thing. Yeah. And one yeah. of you're not going to like one of them and it's going to be really bad right. for you. But there could be an there's certainly an aesthetic uh, bridge between ICP and George Clinton because both groups have a large number of like insanely dressed people on stage and so so you gotta like well, like the people in george clinton's band there's first there's like 40 people i mean we talked about this in the episode before but it's still just as mind-boggling to see all these right just like well because now they're not crazy the dressed people they're on the they're on an actual outside stage that's being lit and they're yeah, the headlining right. acts yeah. so there's a lot of production being put into it and it's a whole nother thing and it seems way more far out and like way more psychedelic and way more of like an intense jam atmosphere than even the hangar did even though they played eight songs for an hour and a half you know what i mean yeah. as opposed to like an actual full set but like the ICP George Clinton connection, that's not too crazy because years later they would share the stage again when George Clinton performed at the gathering of the Juggalos in 2011. So you know they yeah. would they would meet again on yeah. the, on the same stage. It's <laughs> it's incredible. not uh it's not too crazy to to think that. And yeah. they play all the songs that they played during the pre-show minus Maggot Brain, which is mm. just like so such a crazy solo. song. You can't do that twice. You know, two days in a row. And then uh, also yank my doodle. It's a dandy they don't do, but uh, yeah. the you know one thing I, I noted was the uh, second 
keyboardist in the band, not Bernie Worrell, but the the other guy whose name I don't know, he's wearing one of the official talent artist T-shirts for Woodstock 99. Like that they would give out, like if you didn't want to wear your laminate for whatever reason, or if you wanted to just be like a total mark and wear just like <laughs> fucking, you know, staff T-shirt, yeah. like showing that you played. Uh, those go for about $75 on eBay now. So, you know, if anyone wants to buy us one, you know, I can't, uh, I, I put enough money into the Peace Patrol shirt. I can't get this artist. This artist shirt. It's a little it's a little too much, but they're black. And the little insignia on the on the on the left hand, you know, corner uh is, you know, the bird with a guitar. And I think they have a microphone and that kind of symbolizes that it's talent. And then on the back, of course, it says talent slash artist. So, you know, and it, it's also bizarre, you know, to watch because compared to the other stage and what's going on there at the exact same festival, you wouldn't even you know, there's no telling that this is happening at the same festival if you were to watch these videos separately without knowing. Like, because again, corn right. is still happening while while George Clinton starts. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's complete opposites. Cause yeah, you're seeing people getting crowd surfed in both crowds, but like during corn, it's like getting crowd surfed to safety. Whereas George Clinton, it's like an experience. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like very chill and everyone's smoking weed. And a lot more people know the words, you know, to, to all the songs than they did during the pre-show. Uh and yeah, again, like major major 69 vibes there yeah, yeah. well another thing too well, they're, to playing, is- they're playing their hits i mean he yeah. had a lot of legitimate hits and this the official show he's definitely he's going a lot more of like a crowd friendly crowd pleasing type of yeah well the other thing environment the other thing too is up, up to this point like parliament and even you know funkadelic were a highly influential band, not in just funk music, but in, you know, things like hip hop and, you know, oh, the, the creation of G Funk. Yeah. You know, like in the interpolations that people will do of their songs, things like that. And by ninety nine, so, like all those legendary you know. songs that had sampled George Clinton and, and you know the P Funk All Stars mm-hmm. of Parliament Funkadelic, those were already like galvanized as huge hits. Like again, like yeah, the G Funk yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, they've all used these samples. So you're getting this crowd of new people that are hearing these songs and you know they might know that they were samples. They might not have, but to hear and be like, oh shit, that's like the original yeah. song. Like that gets people fucking amped. And I'll, I'll say one other yeah. thing. And then before we move on is that that still happens to this day. For example, the, the group Sleigh Bells, one of their biggest songs actually samples a Funkadelic track. I think it's a, uh, yeah. It, can you, oh, yeah. Can you get to that? Can or, you get to that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and that's mean, one of those things that when you might, if you don't know that and you hear the actual song, you know, it's like right. even now there's you still a oh, highly still, influential people are still group, using you know? that stuff all, all the time. I mean, the bass lines, everything is so classic that instantly yeah. if you do it right and you make it into something, that's an instant classic too. It's it's just like right. spawned a million great yeah. songs. And speaking oh, of another I, Woodstock yeah. alumni, like they and James Brown were definitely like you know a part of that whole thing, but they were in their own world completely. Like totally. Like yeah, these way are, more far out than what James Brown was doing a lot of the time, you know. Right, but James, still played, but James yeah. Brown, yeah, he had really James Brown had gotten into this Vegas, really Vegas, yeah. like showy, almost like a church vibe, mm-hmm. which was not like not super psychedelic. It was, it, I mean, the set's weird, and he's got his wife at the time, and I mean Clinton, I mean Clinton's got the colored dreads, which is now like a popular thing. You know what I mean? With rappers. So, right. Dude, I literally, I mean, this is going to make me sound so stupid, but when I met George Clinton, I could not believe that those weren't real. That they weren't <laughs> I was like, real? oh my God, he's not, he's wearing like a suit and what the fuck, his hair, he cut it off? Like, I like I had like a metallic, I was like, he cut his hair! But oh like, like I, was, I felt so stupid. I was like, oh, of course it's just like a fucking thing. God damn it. But, uh, you know, the freak flag, he's, he's waving the freak flag is what he's doing. Right. Well, they, speaking of freaks, they, uh, they bring out the man, Louis Khabibi back. The legend, the legend, legend. the missing man, (laughs) our, our, uh, you know, our, our man of interest, if you will, besides raspy voice announcer, if you can find Louis Khabibi or raspy voice announcer, like you have our, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll do something great for you, but uh, he comes back to do booty. And booty yes. is my favorite part of the set. It's my favorite part yes. of the entire pre-show. It's mm-hmm. I'm so happy that we were afforded the opportunity to talk about it for a second time because yes. goddamn. I think we need to play a second clip of booty. We're gonna, oh, we just yes. need to, yeah, you need guys to need to hear more <laughs> of this song booty. So yes. this is just another little snippet of again the greatest song booty. I'm gonna say it again. booty 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 booty. All right, there it's out. Booty. All right, booty. God damn it. Yo, Louis. Well, she never 
said you could. But she never said I couldn't. Yep. Booty looks so smooth and creamy like some pudding. Yep. I ride you like a bike and I park you in the bushes. Yep. It looks like you're sporting some kind of booty cushion. Wiggling, boggling, squashing, squishing. Disrespect of denim, cold, busting out rhythm nation. I want butter, butter, not parquet. Booty. 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 He's got booty cushions. It doesn't even really rhyme. He's kind of off beat. He's rushing his words. I mean, by all accounts, he's a pretty bad rapper, but he has this like huge George Clinton, George Clinton cosign where George is still doing the thing where he's cradling his head back and forth. <laughs> as, it's almost like it keeps him on beat. It, it, it's it, like maybe the minority report. Uh, I don't know if you saw in Minority Report when they have those like the precogs and they're like all like the <laughs> shaved head freaky uh, people who can see into the future and they're like covered in goo. And it's like like Louis Kabibi is like George Clinton's like booty precog. It's like if he <laughs> rubs his bald head, he will like the booty will come to him. There's there's something that just doesn't make sense about how this like incredibly like goofy white guy is like in the inner circle of George Clinton. It the really booty precog. <laughs> That's like fan fiction. That's like your George yeah. Clinton fucking minority report uh, fan fiction <laughs> mashup there. So but uh, another song that they do <laughs> again, Louis Kabibi fucking let's find this guy. legend legend. Let's find this guy. Uh, also, Clinton's granddaughter comes back on stage. She was there for the pre-show. He brings her up. Hey, it's my granddaughter. And then she does a song, Something Stank. Uh, you know, Something Stank and I Such Want Some. Such a good some. title. Oh, it's great. And, you know, Something Smell Like a Skunk and I Want Some. Just about weed and everyone's smoking weed. Uh, as we used to say back in high school when we would go to music shows, you know, blowing piff. Uh, into the air, which is just like sending <laughs> like a that. cloud up at a concert, like for that's no reason California other than shit. to signify that you're smoking weed at a concert. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, blowing piff. Uh, <laughs> I don't wow. think anyone else said, said that besides us. We also used to call a uh, Jack in the Box church. Like that was like our that was our thing. Wow. But uh, yeah, so she comes out, does that song, and another person that makes a second Woodstock '99 appearance. So remember back when we were talking about the Umbilical Brothers and how there's, uh, I, I believe it was the Umbilical Brothers. Yeah, yeah, another th I think it was. Where, yeah. where there's, in the front row on the pay-per-view, you can see a naked woman just completely nude on a guy's shoulders. And, uh, you know, the security was taking pictures and, and all that stuff. That same naked woman is still on the same guy's shoulders and the front row of this George Clinton yeah, it's set. It's fucking crazy. Almost as if. They had waited all day to get to keep their spot for this. I mean, I Dude, don't know. Dude, this guy is insane. He, he never yeah. skipped leg day. That's for sure. <laughs> this motherfucker has the like strongest calves in the world. I hope he was wearing like, that was a like a scarf that, or something. How many hours was that in between the God. two? At oh, least like six? This, no, this is like, no, at least six. Dude, that, we're, yeah, I mean, and who knows how long they were there before, yeah. you know what I mean? So we're probably talking at least 10 hours here. Jesus. I mean, and that, but that is funny because that is definitely like there's a festival type. And even when I work at my music venue, like sometimes the show, the doors will open and people will run to the front of the stage. And it's like the band that they're there to see is going to play five hours later. But the oh, dude, when I saw Garth like, Brooks, people it was like that. stay there. Yeah, there's people, I mean, yeah, people go to shows. That's, that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's people be going to shows. <laughs> it's a type. Yeah, people like music. It's crazy to me. Uh, live music. I know. Yeah, but, live music but, ain't, yeah. ain't nothing like it. You heard it here, folks. Live music mm, ain't nothing like it. So, yeah, na music. Naked Girl is there. Uh, I think for day one, you know, we, we keep talking about best dress, worst dress. Clinton, you know, the, the, his whole band, they definitely won, I think, collectively best dressed on the pre-show day. And they're they're still up there for, for day one as well. I mean, they got the Fu Manchu bassist is back. They got Diaper Man. They got Khabibi looking like George Costanza again. Also kind of like Son of Sam-ish. Uh, they have a like a wizard for a guitarist. Uh, Bootsy yep. Collins comes out and, you know, his crazy shit. So it's it's. It's crazy, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's something to look at. It's good times. Everyone had a good time, and with that, that ends the acts on the West Stage day one of Woodstock '99. Now, whew, strap yeah. in because this is not uh, going to be fun. I mean, yeah, that was the you know we the the Clinton Bush thing. It really does kind of 
lay a little tr- more true than I realized because Clinton, you know, he he, pl- he played saxophone and he smoked pot and <laughs> he's generally on the outside an agreeable person. Uh, but now we have uh, Bush to contend yeah. with. Bush. This is the band Bush. This is probably Bush. We had corn. Top and now three we got Bush. Worse sets for me. I'm gonna say that. Are this you is serious? bad. Yeah, uh, we have it. Okay. I had to watch bad. it. Like it's like an hour. I want to say it's an hour long you, set, you and guys, I had to watch it in five different. Like I know it's more than an hour. Yeah, and but see, you guys are saying that now, but like, folks, we got like I said, we have two more days to cover. Yeah, it doesn't get any better. Sure. Like, like, don't think that like oh like okay now they're gonna get into like good bands. No, 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 mm. it's not yeah, like I mean, that. Uh, so you have you know, to take the good when you can. You guys say this now. But you'll fucking be begging for no. Bush by the time you get to like rusted root. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Or well, that's why I said top three. I don't you know, worst. Mm, but it's it's so bad though, and it's an it's a uniquely bad in that when you watch it, because there's there's two kinds of bad at least at Woodstock '99. One is the unintentionally terrible, like ICP offering, as we covered, where there was just these obvious mishaps occurring. But I would say that Bush probably stepped off of their performance and was like, yeah, mates, we really killed it. <laughs> yeah. You make them sound like there's some fucking Cockney hooligans. Like, these are like the softest <laughs> British dudes. Like, yeah. to, like, no, they're very ever. soft. They're very soft. Okay, sorry. Fuck yeah. the accent. Tell us a little but bit they, about them, though. Like, okay, so. But got, they, they really, I think that what is so aggravating to me about their performance is that they hit the mark according to their standards and they probably thought this is an underhanded comment dude that's like telling someone like oh like you look nice today (laughs) they they do a good job of doing bush but that's why i hate it i mean i texted you guys the other day and i was like i'm gonna watch bush again uh, I actually didn't. I I went 15 minutes Lied. in, and I Poser. I had to, I had to fucking watch it again today. This morning, I had to wake up early this morning and do it because I just couldn't. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so it's so aggravating. Woke up in the morning and I put on some bush. Yeah, I mean, bush, dude, that's, you know, the name you got bush, bush cooking in the microwave. But uh, that's kind of okay. So yes. In case everyone, you don't, in case you don't, yeah, yeah. Fucking hates but just Bush. get I in get there. Yeah, yeah. I get we're it. about to. We're, we're, I see it's getting on a roll here. Before we do that, tell yeah. us a little bit about Bush. So, well, in case that, people don't and, actually know this band, and you guys, you know, like I don't hate it. But anyway, so so E stage now. Corn just played again. One of the gnarliest sets of the entire festival. Definitely of day one. I mean, like the crowd's still recovering. You have raspy voice announcer come out. This is ten thirty now. Roughly is the time frame. Their, their set time is listed as ten thirty to midnight. So, you know, they probably started a little bit later, maybe ended a little bit later. Um, who knows? But but that's the general time of night. Again, you know, we, we don't know what kind of delays throughout this official, you know, set list time thing that, that we have as reference. But that's what they were billed as, 1030 to midnight. Um, and I'm guessing that, you know, because some festivals, they go on really late and we'll find out that Woodstock 99 did too. But to have the main stages done by midnight, that had to have been like a noise ordinance thing because of how close the neighborhoods were. Yeah. Which we got confirmation on that. Recently, yeah. Yeah. We, we'll you know, yeah, we did a, you know, another, uh, met another survivor who, who lived in the neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like they, they probably had to, you know, shut it down like, you know, right around then they couldn't have a go even until two, which doesn't seem unreasonable for some, you know, a music festival to end. But like, when you're that close to a neighborhood and you're in an air force base, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta close it down early. Kids got school. So <laughs> there, and Bush also is, is again, the headliner. They are the top build act for day one. This is the, uh, you know, when you look at a, a flyer for a festival, you know, and, and it's broken up by days, you have the headliners and you know exactly who the biggest act, you know, who, who most likely might be the highest paid, all that stuff of, each day and Bush was day one of Woodstock 99, which is kind of crazy because the other headlining acts, you know, we have Metallica on day two and Red Hot Chili Peppers on day three. Yeah. These are still highly relevant acts that still perform, still sell out stadiums, all that. Bush it has kind of fallen, you know, <laughs> from grace and, and faded into obscurity a well, little it bit. They're it, back, it, it but didn't it's a, not... It didn't age well. That's the only difference, you know. It didn't age well. Yeah, I mean, I it, still it hear, aged, I still hear them on the terribly. radio. You know, a little bit and like, you know, some of their hits are are all right, but let's get to it really quick. Before I rip, but I, I, I was a fucking idiot and I liked Bush. (laughs) I I have a distinct memory 
of I, I was uh, learning to play guitar. And so my parents were like, oh, we'll get you a guitar teacher. So uh, they find a guitar teacher of mine um, and or like somehow they find a guitar teacher. He, he loves jazz. So he wants to like teach me like jazz chords and progressions. And to me, this this like is the bush to me is this guy's just trying to teach me about jazz. And there's that one Bush song where the riff is like, and I'm just like playing this. Like, can you teach me how to play that riff? And like, I can remember the disappointment of him just being like, yeah, it's these two notes, but he's like, it's a job. And it's just like, like the disconnect of like, this kid just wants to learn a fucking Bush song. <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, again, dude, I, I have like I similar liked, stories. When, when I took drum I lessons, Bush. like my, my drum teacher was like this huge like Latin percussionist. Like he was trying to teach me really complex stuff and like how to read music. And I would just bring in like my Papa Roach CD and be like, how do I play Last <laughs> yeah. Resort on drums? And he's just like, yeah. fucker. And then like I got into punk and that like totally broke his heart because he's like, dude, it's two fucking things. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's like, God damn it. But so Bush was formed in London, England in 1992, which is kind of crazy to think about because in that short span, they grew to the point where they were headlining Woodstock 99. You know what I mean? Yes, like they, most they got, of these bands that, that, that headlined, I mean, most of the bands that played a major slot have been together for a long, long time. They're fairly new. Um, and, you know, most critics, you know, once they broke, they kind of were uh, considered to be like a post grunge, you know, just like a just yeah. rock, you know yeah. what I mean? A very like, alternative, just alternative yeah. rock. rock and roll. Alternative rock is the phrase that became a right. big one. Yeah. And, you know, most of their success was based in the U.S. Um, you know, they were they were pretty successful, you know, overseas. But for some reason, America just ate these guys up. And it's mostly probably because of the, uh, the sex appeal of their front man, Gavin Rosdale. The 90s were really all about uh, sex appeal. When it came to frontman, same with the '80s. You really don't see that too much nowadays with bands. You know what I mean? There's not too many like bands with the lead singer on a mainstream platform where people are like, "The lead singer." So it's not like that with bands anymore, oh, like, really. Well, like One Direction, I guess. Well, but yeah, but that's like a boy band. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm talking like you know, no one's like talking about Coldplay. Like, oh man, I want to fuck the shit out of that singer. You know, I'm sure <laughs> there's people out there saying that, but not like oh, I say that. Not like day. Gavin Rosdale in the '90s. Okay, not like these guys. Right. Right. Um, so he's like he looks like a model. He's got exactly. He's got tone. He's got toned abs. Yeah. <laughs> he takes off his shirt. We could even. I actually. He has the worst he, well, like moves. I'm gonna bum you when guys out so hard in shirt, a second with, with my comparison. Everyone screams when he takes his shirt off. Oh no! I'm gonna talk about the shirt getting popped off. I'm gonna you know make a really broad, bold statement that uh, is gonna make you guys hate me. But really quick, uh, they were really successful throughout the '90s. They were one of the top selling yes. acts of the '90s. They sold over 20 million albums worldwide. Um, again, you know, in the U.S., that's where they were the biggest. Uh, they broke up in 2002, and they reformed in 2010, and they're still active. They're still playing. They've released a couple albums. Now, just to get into kind of the, like, scandal side of Bush really quick before we cover the set, the lead singer, Gavin Rosdale, uh, you know, resident hunk of day one of Woodstock 99, he, <laughs> he was on tour. Bush was on tour with No Doubt, and that is... Uh, that's when he met Gwen Stefani, who he married. Um, mm. they, they married in 2002. They had three kids together. Now, in 2015, they divorced, and they cited that there was irreconcilable differences, which ended up being code for Gavin was banging the nanny when Gwen was on tour and having all of her success with her fashion Ooh. line and all that stuff. And, you know, that's not Gavin's first... That's a fail. Well, and, That's a major <laughs> fail. Yeah, that's Gwen a fail. Stefani? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, Yo, what this a, is what like a, a '90s asshole. babe. Yeah, now your kids are being raised by Blake Shelton and shooting guns and like you know <laughs> making like low key racist jokes that like they don't understand are like bad to make and uh, you know like he's probably giving them like their first sips of beer while fishing like you know what I mean and uh, Gavin's just out banging nannies but that's not his first kind of like weird kind of sex scandal that he got into because boy George. Uh, released a, a, his autobiography called Take It Like a Man. And he claims that <laughs> Rosdale that. had a relationship with with his longtime friend, 80s cult icon Marilyn, who was kind of an androgynous, you know, new wave figure. Uh, mm. Rosdale doesn't necessarily dispute those claims, but he says, you know, oh, well, whatever he's going to say, he's going to say, and I hope he sells a lot of books, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, 
you know, before he uh, got married to Gwen Stefani, he also dated Courtney Love. That couldn't have been uh, a not messy thing either. So he, you know, he, wow. he, he's got this checkered, <laughs> this checkered past, uh, you know, as far as that goes. But really considered to be like a an, the artsy, thoughtful guy. I'm gonna call him the British Kurt Cobain. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna get in there. We're gonna get into the Nirvana comparison. I mean, it's it is the template for their music. Right. Like you can't. And, and that, that's probably why they were so popular in the U.S. is because even though they were a U.K. band, I mean, they barely have any like influence from U.K. like British music, I would say. After watching their set, to me, it was like Nirvana and the Pixies were the two just like just influences just screaming out like just kind of Nirvana Pixies. Right. No, they were definitely inspired by American music. The, the uh, only other so thing I could the British stuff. Yeah. Right. The only other thing I tell is every once in a while they have these songs with this organ and then all of a sudden it sounds like they're doing like a Tom Petty thing. I mean, they cover R.E.M. in the set. So it's like yeah. it, it, it feels I guess the thing is that to get on the high horse, it just feels so calculated um, in turn. You just have this like pretty model dude, but then he is. And you notice Kirk, how, do you notice how the rest of the guys in the band aren't nearly as attractive as he is? No, I feel like he no, made no, it no, that no, way. No, He's the, like, and <laughs> has the Duffs, the designated ugly fat friends. Yeah, they, the <laughs> Duff, Jesus, where do you get this stuff? Uh, I only you've never word. you've never heard that. I, yeah, I only use no. that word talking about men. By the way, <laughs> I've never heard of Duff, but the guitarist is the ultimate Duff. You can tell that because. <laughs> Their interview yeah, this is the guitarist of my band. Kevin he's Rosdale not... could have shit on his face and get laid hanging out with these guys. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know. And that and yeah. that's why it's so frustrating because it's like he's doing this thing where he's just like all these songs are incredibly angsty. And again, that was sort of the thing about Nirvana was like. And a grant, granted, Kurt Cobain objectively is a very attractive human being as well. Uh, but I guess just. The idea of just like, okay, we're going to write these songs that aren't necessarily well, he's the kind about of guy that during the interviews things. he sits cross-legged, you know what I mean? And like he'll like be rubbing his chin a lot and like just kind of like soft-spoken answers, like, well, yeah, I mean, that's like well, we're here. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. shit like that that like just drives the nineties ladies crazy. Right. You and know? like I, I I do what I want. And it's kind of like it's not really this big fuck you, but it's he's like, like a little cool, fuck you. It's and like, not actually depressed. You know what I mean? Like he's right. like, yeah, like I'm sad because like fucking I think everyone sucks because I think I'm better than everyone. Whereas like Kurt yeah. Cobain had like a, <laughs> right. I really like I think I suck and like why is everyone paying attention to me and I'm depressed? You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a total no, difference it, and you yeah. can read it. But I still make the comparison because no, 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 there, no, there's the just a way to make it. It's the success is riding on the back of. Nirvana, the coattails, the coattails, I would say now, of course, he has he can like do whatever he wants to like say that it's not that. But the if you just listen to the music, you can't that that is post grunge in terms of like post Nirvana. What would happen next? Yeah, exactly. Taking not what did happen next, but what would happen next? Like, you know what I mean? Like what everyone influenced by that sound would make. Um, he's, you could maybe say he's the Drake of grunge because it's just kind of this like I'll say it's that like, it's it's just like damn like ugh, my jaw is just my jaw <laughs> this week has made my jawline today has made too many women holler at me and now I've got to write some sad songs about I it because I can't I can't. Yeah, but I he's not pick. really saying anything that's he's just breathe in, breathe he's, out. No, he's, and then he, he says he, then he, he says some not, shit like I am sound, a but black it's, man, it's I am he, a white man. Like, yeah, well his like, lyrics are deep to, to him, but but the And to the women that think he's hot, it's like okay, it's like the guy in high school that's like playing the guitar and then like all the girls are just like, Oh, he's like playing the guitar. Oh, yeah, sounds like a bunch of my friends. You know who you are. <laughs> you know Maybe who you me are. too. Maybe oh, me too. I ain't going to say your name. So but their set starts in classic Woodstock 99 fashion with the with the raspy voiced mystery man. All right, guys, this is what you've been waiting for, which I don't necessarily <laughs> believe. But then he's like, all right, Bush. Yeah. And, then, and then Bush comes out. And Bush. again, in, in total Woodstock 99 fashion. It, there's a major flub and like all you can hear right when uh, they the break bass. in is the bass and the like drums boom. and the bass is like boom, 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 boom. like it just yeah, it sounds like like the like the p bass in the practice amp at guitar if there was a word for the mids turned up or something it would be flubber <laughs> flubber that, that, like if it was a movie it would be flubber 
And uh, that that's how it sounds. And then like you can hear them like correcting it, and then he starts breathing. And he's wearing like what a like like someone that would teach a self-defense, like Gavin Rosdale is wearing what someone that would teach a self-defense class that didn't involve actually touching <laughs> someone. Like if you were just gonna use like your energy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like that's what he's wearing. He's got this like sleeveless tight shirt. Like I think a yin yang neck, some kind of tribal. Oh yeah, necklace. but it's cut. It's cut off on the sleeves. He has like yeah, some, yeah. baggy like, like Chinese writing or some kind baggy of like I mean, cargo yeah. kung fu pants. And like right. his hair is like so that don't, middle part. He looks like an anime character, dude. No, I'm telling you, he's like you don't actually like. He's the guy that would have a YouTube video where he's like punch me in the face and like thinking he could stop it, and then someone would just clock him and he'd get knocked out. <laughs> like it would go viral. <laughs> right. But then, but then the video would never surface right. because because he's Gavin Rosdale, right? Well, so he's on some Zoolander shit, dude. I was going to say this: Gavin Rosdale is in Zoolander. Makes sense to me. <laughs> he, he had he had a little bit of a, a an acting career, and he was in a couple of things. I'll, I'll get back into that. But yes, he was he was in he was in Zoolander. So you know they're starting their set. There's that major flub up. They get the sounds right, you know, so so to speak, or correct, you know, uh, as good as they're going to sound. And it's interesting because Robbie Sheffield, who we brought up before, the Rolling Stones columnist who covered Woodstock '99 from the grounds, he said that uh, Bush was the only band to bother with sex appeal, which was much needed after Corn played. And I I don't know if he just had a crush on Bush or what, or if it was just known that like no, like Bush is a heartthrob band. Everyone loves Gavin Rosdale. Like everyone wants a piece of him. Like like they're I think the that's band. A, I think that's a safe bet. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. and you know, you can tell that the crowd is a little different just by the way that the cheers sound. You know what I mean? When everyone's cheering, you can tell it's a predominantly female crowd. Uh, Sheffield in this same article, he he says that this is like when people really start making out and like the crowd kind of settles down and it's becoming more of like a sexual thing. You know what I mean? But not like a violent sexual mm. thing, but like a like oh my god, I love this song. Like let's kiss you know what i mean like kind of weird shit like that and girls are screaming at the stage now it's their turn like take your shirt off you know blah blah and and they're really like coming together true during that aspect you know that's true well i mean he did calm down the uh just the actual insane violence yeah that's true i don't think it well people probably still got punched in the face during bush right no there are some mosh pits there are some mosh pits well people will mosh to anything well, That's like at, true. at a certain point, especially if you're not like a huge music guy, you know what I mean? You're just there for the experience, which a lot of people at Woodstock 99 yeah. were. You're just like, okay, the song started. Let's mosh. Like, that's just what you're going to do because you don't get that. No, like we nod our heads to this. You right. know what I mean? We, we don't mosh right. to Bush. We, we listen to Bush. But uh, every, <laughs> <laughs> every band, you know, we've talked about this before. Every band for the most part, has a filmed MTV interview before they play where they're just talking about what it means to be at Woodstock and and how they feel about it and what the band's up to and all that good stuff. And Bush is no different, so they they had one. And not all of the videos are available, but a lot are, and I found Bush's. And it starts with so much lag time. It's kind of interesting. It's a really kind of fun behind-the-scenes moment because they're having their mics put on and their makeup done. Yes, and, yes. They're getting their makeup done. And Especially the ma- well, Gavin. They all, I mean, everyone did, probably except ICP, because they're like, we got this. Yeah. But like, <laughs> we got this. But like, you know, everyone else definitely, yeah, I mean, that's just what you do when you're a star. But their makeup right. person had a British accent, which leads me to believe that they brought their own. I, that, that, I have nothing to back that up. That's my only evidence, but I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> True. So, True. And it's unfortunate that Bush is the one caught on camera doing it. It plays back into this pretty boy thing. I'm sure I'm sure Hetfield gets a touch up, you know, but you get Bush on camera. You get Gavin getting the makeup, you want those, holding up you want the those interview. Jawbones, nice. You want those cheekbones? Yes. Contour. Nice. Contour, Gotta baby. Have a on fleek. Uh, they're a little soft is what we're getting at if you haven't caught that. Yeah. <laughs> because even in the breath. interview. But it's okay. What is... Because I, I I I have some nice things to say as well, but yeah, no, they're fucking totally soft, and and yeah, I think they brought their own makeup person for their interview at Woodstock '99. What the fuck? But uh, right off the bat, Gavin mentions how well organized the festival seems, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yes. He's like, no, it seems like they got a lot of people here, like everything's running really smoothly, blah blah blah. This is still just day one, but I mean, fuck, man, like, and you know, Bush wasn't like out there to watch corn, you know, they're no. like in their trailer, you know. 
count this is the elite and the plebes this is this is the view from the castle right exactly so he has no idea how bad things are but uh they they mention woodstock 94 and, and he asks where's all the mud he's like where's yeah, the mud uh, here i Gavin, wanted to see mud. The, not not a uh, 20 something year old attractive gavin but 40 year old um uh duff uh guitar player <laughs> is the one he's, he says where's the mud yeah <laughs> and then he asks, and he says it so timidly i wish maybe like he's afraid that they're gonna like drop it on him all right yeah, yeah yeah check it out where's the mud yeah where do they keep the mud? We're looking for the mud, but where is it? What's that? Where's the mud? Where's the? Well, actually, there is mud. Believe it or not, they've uh, they've brought the fire people have brought in some sort of uh, water that's piped in, and it just goes straight up in the air. So there are mud fights. There's just a little corner of the uh, action with the mud. Quite away from the stage, though, right? Yes, okay. you will not be hit by a mud ball. I, okay. I think they they put it in the right spot, but uh, there is a certain section where you definitely could get hit. You know, yeah, he says it so timidly that the interviewer even has to be like. Oh, sorry. Can you say that again? And he like, where's the mud? Like, (laughs) just like really like, oh yeah. But then later on, he even says like, oh, so the the muds, it's really far away from the stage, right? And he's kind of like (laughs) saying like, just I don't want to get any on my black t shirt. I I don't want to get any on my shirt. And it's just like. (laughs) He's like, ah, yeah, because the rest of the band is just dressed in black T-shirts and black pants. I mean, they're all in all black, which is, you know, very cool and very bush. But like, you know, Gavin has his like sleeveless thing, his cargo pants thing. Of course, he loses the shirt. And that is really when you hear that the crowd is predominantly female, because when he takes the shirt off, it's just like the Beatles landed in America for the first time. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. The screams for him taking his shirt off. Yeah. And he yeah. like goes out into the crowd for a second. He does crowd work and it's just, he does like, crowd work twice. It's a twice. fucking bloodbath to get a piece of this guy. It, yeah. It's crazy. But also in the interview, um, you know, cause they had just played at the Glastonbury festival, you know, which is a huge, you know, European festival. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, there was like 100,000 people there, huh? They're saying that there's about 250,000 here now. And I, I think either the interviewer or someone in the band says, uh, you know, the saying at Glastonbury is, yeah, there's 100,000 people that bought tickets, but then there's 100,000 people that didn't. And that Yeah, that's what Gavin says that. Yeah, Gavin says that. So that plays totally into Woodstock 99, where, oh, man, like, they sold 250,000 tickets. It's like, yeah, but 200,000 snuck in. <laughs> You know, I right. guess the rule of thumb is if it's a major festival and it's easy to get into, it's just going to be double, you know, yeah. essentially is kind of the formula I've been working out. Josh and I have been trying to, like, create these uh, equation formulas for Woodstock 99 things. Like, we found out how they decided how many bathrooms to put in there. So, like, we've been working yeah. that equation out. Uh, like, this is another one. Like, okay, like, how many tickets sold versus, like, how many people were there? Like, how many people sneak in? Well, like, we, we want to make, like, a textbook of the academics of Woodstock 99, <laughs> yeah, so to speak, yeah. you know. But the, the bathroom equation has really been busting my brain, but I'll get back to you on that. Uh, it's also mentioned in the interview that not only is the concert on pay-per-view, but it's on, uh, I, I think he says West one or, or Western one. I, I couldn't really hear him cause the, the audio is not that great in the video, but it was on European pay-per-views as well. Yeah. So it was, it was broadcast all over the world, which sure is Canada too. Know. Yeah. Oh, definitely yeah. Canada. But yeah, like all these pay-per-view services around the world were showing Woodstock 99, which is crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, cause you're not playing a show for 400,000 people, which is insane by itself. You're playing for millions and millions of people. Yeah. You know, yes. the uh, the pressure is unruly, and it's funny that there are so right. many technical errors. Even during the headliner of the first day, they still managed to flub up their sound. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's because they didn't do a line check like yeah. they did with Corn. Like right after they recover, Corn, Bush comes they recover out. pretty quickly. But it, it no, they, they do they, recover quickly. They yeah. recover quickly. I mean, but here's an interesting uh, theory. So the bass, like we said, starts off crazy loud and flubby. Well, Corn played right before them. What if they didn't adjust the level <laughs> so it had like Corn bass level? So he's like, darn, and he's like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. what Fieldies, I think. He's playing a normal preset. bass now. You can actually hear it. I, exactly. Well, I do want to say that I love the so. We reference often uh, the the gift to our podcast is the fact that almost 90 percent of these performances are available on the YouTube and uh, the Bushful performance. Some of these comments are golden. And one of my favorite comments that's gotten 175 likes is from two years ago uh, from OKZ sub nine four nine. I am a bass player and I approve this mix. And that's one of the highest. <laughs> like, there's enough comment. people chiming in that he had to stand up for him. He's <laughs> oh like, hey, listen, God. I'm a bass player. I think it's I all also, right. 
I also we we might actually want to go into these comments because there's people who have there are accounts saying that they were at this show to the point where I think it would be worth pursuing. But another really good comment that I love is um, no iPhones recording, just people listening to a great band. Damn, <laughs> I miss those days. And that Josh knows about my little obsession with the uh, that kind of mentality. Like, man, I really miss. Uh, back when music was just really like they were really making music back then. Yeah, you know, they're, not, they're, listen, they're not really yeah. making music anymore. You know, just a great band, no iPhones. Like all of a sudden, you have an iPhone and people just started making shitty music or something. Like <laughs> anyway. Well, now everyone can see it. It sucks. No, yeah, everyone I, can see it. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely get that. And and you know, uh, again, the yeah, the comments like people like Bush. They were headlining. They're like you know, we're shitting yes. on them so much. But no, they were a big band, just like any band that played at Woodstock 99. It, we make it seem like these are just nothing acts. Dude, all these acts fucking sold millions of albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Including fucking Bush. They headlined this motherfucking shit. And if I was, you know, I mean, sure, like, this was the makeout set. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. like, like, you're like, okay, like, this is where I go to pretend I like the band to meet a girl. <laughs> like, that's what I feel like a, the, like a yeah. big, because that's what Sheffield kind of makes it seem like. Yeah. It's like, this is like the set where you start looking around and people aren't really moshing. They're like getting to know right. each other and like, they're starting to make out and there's like, you know, there's this weird sexual energy that's not so violent anymore. Um, and they yeah. play all of their hits, which kind of lends itself to that. They play chemicals they between us, uh, which I believe was on the soundtrack for American werewolf in Paris. Uh, they also play glycerin and everything is Zen. Uh, Everything is Zen. I, that's that one. Yeah. It includes I mean, Machine Head, Come Down. I mean, there's so many hits. They, I mean, I, I do remember these of hits, yeah. from my adolescent days. I mean, listening to Bush, like I start pimples just start forming on my forehead when I listen to Bush. I mean, it is so like <laughs> synonymous with being like I love Bush, a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. During Everything Is Zen, though, there's you know, he, he repeats these lyrics over and over. There's no sex in your violence. And I feel like he was looking out and he, seen, he like might have seen corn set. And he's like, oh yeah, people are going to tear each other apart for Bush. And then everyone's just making out. So he's like, hey, like fucking up the violence, like mix the violence and sex. But that's also a very loose thing just for me to shit on Bush. But yeah, there's no sex in your violence. If you watch the Bush set, that line is going to just hang out in your head because he says it like a million times. He says a lot of right. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but honestly, that just goes into I mean, if you want to like that goes into a general mentality of a lot of a lot of the big bands of the time were just like these bands kind of going to this like sort of edgy, like let's sing about sex over kind of like really loud, like heavy music that definitely had, right, like, and that a carried on niche. into like the screamo shit but i just feel like saying like like chanting to a crowd like there's no sex in your violence to the woodstock 99 crowd is like hey you're right like we should include some sex yeah. in this violence that we're fucking you know yeah. <laughs> like but, just like but that uh, is g love with cold beverage like, i do song. want a fucking cold beverage yeah you know it's an unintentional influence over the crowd true yeah i mean certain things when you have that big of a crowd i mean just like the corn and the adidas like all day i dream about sex just saying that over these insane metal lyrics like and then you have this that's a good party song this yeah. fucked up crowd of like over macho dudes it does it, it but, can influence things but it didn't you know these are all just things that we're saying but it didn't the bush set was like very peaceful uh the his his, his stage ban banter is really kind of weird uh you yeah, can't tell can if he's like into it or not like at one point he's just like is everybody happy and then they're cheering, and he's like, I said, is everybody happy? And then they cheer more, and then he's like, is everybody happy now? Which I feel like is one of those super calculated, like, artsy things. Like, I don't know. It's is the, everybody happy It's now? the grunge. It's the Kurt Cobain thing. I'm telling you, man. It's the fact, it's the, like, I'm just going to seem like I'm just in a, I'm just going to seem, like, really pissed off and shitty. And, I'm I mean, it's the Kurt Cobain thing. For yeah. Sure. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, you know. Happy to be sad, kind of. What's well, a burden to be that sexy? Yeah, you know? of course. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, people don't understand the, yeah. what it's like yeah. to be like us. Uh, I mean, gabbing. actually, if we can, I'd like to play a clip from before. Uh, what is it? Chemicals between us, where he he gets into a little like, I guess, like sort of. I think the other influence, maybe the only European influence I can see is like you two in terms of just yeah. making things I'll, incredibly I'll grandiose. Yes. I think I know what you're about. To, yeah. Uh, but if there, there's a little, it's kind of this like we are all one yeah, clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bef yeah, yeah. Can we play that real quick? Oh, yeah. We're all together. 
I'm a black man, I'm a white man, I'm an Englishman, I'm an American. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know what to think about that necessarily. It, it, yeah, it, he's not it Bono, reeks, he's Boner. He's woke. It, it reeks of YouTube vibes where it's like he's trying to say this thing, but really he's just like, I mean, he's basically, I'm an American or I'm a British man. I'm We're an Englishman. the same. The but chem- I love the that chemicals I, like, between I, us. You know? Yeah. The, yeah. I am a black man. <laughs> That's just. God, he can go get fucked. <laughs> That's like a almost like a poetry slam that he was doing right, right. there. Oh, yeah, and speaking dude. of poetry, they also uh, quote Allen Ginsberg, his famous poem "Howl." So they are they are definitely so they like going, pedophiles. They're going into this art this art world of, but it was so mainstream, and so it ah, that's that's why it bothers me Bush, so much. The, uh, official music of Nambla, big uh, Ginsberg. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just they're just. Like, Everything about them is just like introductory level bullshit. Yeah, like the shit that they like. Yeah. want to talk about and like play. Even Fisher Price, like, my first feelings. Well, oh, well no, when you so say obvious. that, so another God. So another thing that bothers me. So okay, so one of I would say a trademark of Nirvana live shows and and Kurt Cobain's guitar playing is Kurt Cobain sort of popularized or brought to the masses the the anti guitar solo. So you had in the eighties, you had this guitar solo uh the hair metal was just right, bringing like it to this like kind of this insane virtuistic like level of performance so when kurt cobain he would just kind of like throw his guitar on the ground and turn all his volume up and let it squeal and make these horrible noises but it it, it read as like really cathartic because it's just like i don't have to like be that good a guitar to like make you like feel this kind of emotion and so kurt cobain would just do like these squealing feedback guitar solos and so you watch during the bush that you watch Gavin Rosdale like do that, but it, it just feels like, to, like mimicry. Rolls around, rolls so he turns, yeah. And it, yeah, it's like it, it feels choreographed of just like I'm gonna like thrash around in agony with my shirt off, and like there's gonna be these squealing noises. Yeah, he does these and little spins it, too. You notice that he does I these spins. You know, no, it, it, it feels so fucking coordinated. I, I'm sure like, that. Uh, he would fight that tooth and nail, but like, come on. Of course, like, just he look would. at that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know, during the set, they do a few covers. They they do like an like an OG Woodstock throwback. They do like the fuck cheer from uh yeah uh, Country Joe and the Fish. They they play fucking up by Neil Young and Crazy Horse, and then they end their set with a cover of the one I love by REM, which isn't right. a bad cover. You know what I mean? And overall, yeah, yes, the set's bad. It's very dated. You know what I mean? They have those technical difficulties, but. If you're and especially if you're not a Bush fan, like if you just like aren't gonna give it a chance, like yeah, no, it's absolutely terrible. But if right. you do, you can kind of see it as like this perfect standard '90s rock set, right? You know what I mean? Actually, it, they did a couple it's almost other perfect covers in that sense. I, I, you know? I noticed a couple other covers they did. Oh, yeah, they, did do, they do more. They, the, in the it's in the breakdown. They did that thing. A lot of big bands who were like in the breakdown of a song. This is actually a YouTube move because I have watched YouTube live concerts where in the breakdown of one of their songs, you do like a snippet of someone else's cover. And so they do. Oh, a, yeah. They do a snippet of TVI by the Stooges. And then Gavin does like one verse of Kerosene by Big Black, which was one of Steve Albini's bands. Yeah which their second album, Razor Blade Suitcase, was produced by Steve Albini. Again, Grunge going connection. back to the Nirvana thing of like you make a super popular album and then you go to Steve Albini to make your really dirty, fucked up sounding album. Again, pointing to just like the idea of it becoming a formula. Right. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, as I'm, opposed I'm done, to on I'm the done fly. shitting on them. Yeah. Right. So they do. And so, and, and I mean, it does like bring some depth to it or whatever, but it, it just, you know. Well, I don't to know. me, again, it's just very standard. Like, this is an alternative yes. rock and roll set. Like, if an alien came down to Earth and was like, what is rock and roll? I would be like, well, like, you could watch this set. Like, that's a rock and roll set. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like exactly. very, like, there's no. There's no two ways. It's just like, eh, it's a rock and roll set. You know what I mean? Right. But again, it's I, I feel like Cher and Lang, you know, did that on purpose where they're like, well, let's bring every like because Corn could have easily headlined. Like their crowd was insane. Yeah. But I feel like they wanted everyone to like chill out for a little bit. You know what I mean? Right after that. But right. the emerging artist stage, which we always get to, uh, 
completely transforms at night and becomes one of the darkest corners of Woodstock 99 every night. It's very mysterious. It's very foreign to us. There is almost no footage of any of the sets being here. The only actual footage I've seen really is uh, on the official VHS DVD release that, that Woodstock put out of the 99 festival where they do like kind of a montage of what it was like. And what they did in the emerging artist stage, which was inside of a hangar, is that became a rave. And the rave started at 12 at midnight and would last until 5 or 6 in the morning, which is just fucking crazy. Who knows? And I feel like a lot of that, that's just kind of the way it is. Like, it's really hard to find live sets of a lot of like rave stuff even now because it's so exclusive yeah. make it so exclusive yeah, yeah. Well, even now, going like to a these, rave is, yeah. you know it's like they have like edc and shit where yeah. it's just like you know they have like movies in the theater about it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's like this was back when rave culture really was coming into the the mainstream and in 94 at woodstock 94 they had the uh like a rave kind of thing it was rave stock they, they yeah. had a rave stock right. and like a lot of electronic artists played there and that was really underground and those weren't necessarily djs like per se yeah. they were mostly like electronic acts and stuff and producing like you know producer acts but in 99 it is a lot of djs and it was really yeah. hard to find out who played on most of the uh, you know during the rave during each day but what we did find for sure was the headliners on each day right. and the headliner of the rave who and uh, you know from what i've gathered the headlining acts and, and most of the acts in, in the rave, they played like sets that lasted hours. You know what I mean? This wasn't like, okay, like, yeah, there's like five people going one per each hour. No, th- you're playing like three, four hour sets. You know what I mean? Like it was a huge, huge thing. And that's how raves were, you know, back then, like the DJ would just control the shit the entire night. And there was also all these new drugs that were like coming into coming into yeah. their own. Like I want to say, was I want to say that that's why it wasn't documented as much. Probably, as, you know. yeah, because it was really sketchy. And I when feel you, like they were worried, or you know, just weren't sure of how to present that to the world. No, definitely, <laughs> and that totally shows in the DVD um, because you know, and on the on the VHS that they released because you can, you know, a they don't even have any of the actual music from the people that played. They're playing a Chemical Brothers song during it. Chemical Brothers played on the West stage on, yeah. on day two. They weren't part of the rave, but they're playing a Chemical Brothers song and they're showing footage of the rave. And it's like classic festival shit where like the jocks that were walking around the day now have like their hats on backwards and no shirt and like a glow stick. And they're just totally wrecked on drugs. They're trying for the first time. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of naked people, people making out stuff like that. And yeah, it's just like the whole thing reads bad news. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the headliner on the first day of the rave was Moby. Now, Moby, Moby was, yeah, getting his, uh, you know, he, he was building up his chops. He was known as a rave DJ for a long time and as a producer before he broke on to, like, you know, MTV and started producing songs for other people and had, like, a whole huge smash hit album of his own. He was just DJing for, like, hours during this. And, uh, you know, it's again, it's it's really mysterious. It's really sketchy. There's, you know, stories that I've I've pulled up from people. Uh, something happens day two at, during the rave that we'll get to when we get there. But, uh, yeah, it's like kind of this just dark <laughs> corner of Woodstock 99 that no one can really talk about or knows about. It's not even really covered in Rolling Stone or on MTV. Weird. Yeah, no, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's crazy. And we don't but- and we don't have footage of it, so we just can't. Yeah, we, I mean, that, there's really that, nothing to say. Like, there's stuff that happened that, that we'll get into as it goes. But, I mean, that almost makes it darker to me. Is yeah. this, like, yeah, the I mean, rave. That would like, be like people don't talk nice, about Woodstock 99 on its own, let alone the, the rave, rave. Yeah. You know what I mean? That Good was going God. on. It's, uh, and, you know, again, it was the glory days for ecstasy. Meth was breaking its way into the mainstream. There wasn't all the stigma that, like, meth had yet. It was just, like, a club drug. It was, like, being passed around circuit parties and stuff throughout the 90s. So, at this point, like, normal people that were just down to try something at, like, a party were down to try it. It wasn't like, no, meth? Like, are you fucking crazy? It wasn't like that yet. It it hadn't fucked up enough lives yet. You know what I mean? For it to be looked at. Yeah. So, So, people were doing all that shit for their first time, and then they had to wake up. And go and do it all over again at day two because now Ooh. we are at the end of day one. So that yeah. is the complete coverage of day one. We are gonna, you know, next episode uh, that, that that we do according to the timeline is going to be a, a kind of a recap where we, you know, fact check ourselves and we'll add some things in that we might have left out and, and things like that. We'll kind of bring everyone back up to speed before we start day two. 
Because day two and day three have a whole nother slew of fucking stories, a whole nother slew of acts. Yeah. Uh, we got, I mean, who do we got coming up? We got Everclear, Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock, yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. Brian Setzer Orchestra, Elvis Costello, Willie Nelson. I mean, there's yeah. so many folks coming up, and those are just the big ones. Like, we yeah. got a lot of stinkers, too. And if any of the <laughs> listeners that have any questions regarding day one that they want us to answer in this recap, feel free to, you know, reach yeah, out to send, us. Yeah, we would send love them in. No, for to sure. answer any questions. You know, we want we want to do this right. Yeah, so. e- exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we got you know more survivor stories coming. We're gonna we got a lot of stuff coming out. So, uh, goddamn, we made it to the end of day one. We survived the rave. We survived yeah. Bush. More importantly, about to go sleep in my Ooh. muddy uh, sleeping bag now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to make this in real time for y'all. Yeah, exactly. We got day two tomorrow, boys. Let's catch some shut eye. Uh, well. I guess you just you just pulled in, correct? Uh, you haven't really uh, got to experience any of the Woodstock madness or anything yet. It doesn't. It seems really well organized. A lot of security and very running smoothly. Yeah, I think the uh, I think it was a good idea from you know '94 to of course you know this year. You know the last one seemed a little bit uh, chaotic, a little decadent. Podcast 99 would like to thank Gray Holger at Condradick Sound for all of his technical assistance. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you went to worked at, or played at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. This is Ryan Lichten, Josh Evans, and Parks Miller signing off. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.